Father, thank you for your precious word. And Father, I pray this morning that as we look at it together, you would speak to each of us here. And God, that you would shape us as we take on board these words this morning. Amen. So we're looking at the moment at a very short series in the book of Ephesians. And we're entering a part of the book where, in many ways, Paul's going to focus in on the church and the church being united in its mission to the world. It's a beautiful um, bit of scripture, and I always find it a real challenge when I read it, because I look at it and go, oh, Am I as passionate for God's church as I should be? The church is so important. And somehow, I think because we know in ourselves maybe that we're not um, that great, we can kind of think, yeah, the church isn't that great. (laughs) It does some good stuff, but, you know, it's, mm, I don't know. Actually, it's God's passion to see his church develop and grow. We are his representation here on earth. We only have to go back to chapter 3 and verse um, 10 where we hear Paul clearly say that it is through the church that God witnesses to the spiritual realms as well as then speaks to the earth. The church is massively important. And so here Paul's going to give some really practical instructions to the church. And this is what he says in our verses. He says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It sounds nice and you all might have much better concentration than I have but I suspect and particularly for younger people that in some ways that sounds nice but slightly washes over us. I wonder how it sounds if we change it 180 degrees and consider the opposites. How does this sound as an opposite? Could read like this. As someone doing his own thing, living for himself, I carelessly suggest to you, if you can be bothered to hear it, live life how you want as well. Live for yourself. Who else is there to live for? Look out for number one. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. Be a hammer, not a nail. Someone lets you down, don't let them do it to you again. Don't get hurt. Keep yourself safe. Don't give anyone a second chance to harm you again. Sometimes spelling it out um, like that, it's easier to see um, how often actually we do live out the opposites to the spirit of this passage in Ephesians 4. It is Remembrance Day today. We're remembering a century when there have been precious few minutes of peace, scores of genocides and horrors. 
plenty of people, rulers, and nations have chosen to be a hammer, not a nail. Very few people and nations opt for complete humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love. After all, if you go that way, you can get very badly hurt. So what's Paul saying in this passage? Does he not care about our protective layers, the layers we put up to stop ourselves getting more hurt in the dog-eat-dog world in which we live? Is he giving us a philosophy from before the era of the survival of the fittest? Or is Paul giving us an ideology that should only be applied in a time of utopian luxury where everything is working out just fine and dandy? Well, no, of course he's not, because Paul's writing himself from prison. He knows what it's like to put himself on the line for this turn-the-other-cheek mentality. Once upon a time, he'd been a persecutor, breathing out murderous threats. He disagreed with people. He imprisoned people himself. And he approved putting people to death. Something has changed and made this man into an advocate for a gentle, patient way of life. Even when it's begun to cost him absolutely everything. That change for Paul began on the road to Damascus, but it only began there. You see, like us, a conversion can be both a dramatic change, but also a continuation of who we formerly are. When a baby's born, it's actually very similar in its ability, size and function to the day or two before it was born. It's just the difference is now it's out in the air, breathing, functioning, independent of its mother's cord. When a human being is spiritually born again, we're very similar to what we were the day or two before. We're out breathing, we have life in us, but we still have the tendency towards pride, harshness, impatience, short-tempered, you only needed to come to my house this morning to see me with my children, getting them ready. (laughs) We have all the same tendencies. And that's why Paul is saying, make every effort. Guys, you've got to be completely humble. This is stuff you're going to have to work on, that you're going to have to invite the Holy Spirit to help you with. And we also need to recognize that as Paul writes this passage, he's actually writing about 30 years or so after his initial conversion. His earliest acts as a a believer in God are described in the book of Acts. And he comes across as much more of a sort of cocky individual, I think. Um, His earliest writings, like the book of Galatians, are much more self-assertive. He'll say things like, I'm not less than any of the other apostles. He sort of, in some ways, comes across quite arrogant to our, our hearing. But as time goes on, the Holy Spirit has been at work in Paul. He's revealed to Paul the necessity of the unity of the body of Christ. 
At the very beginning, God told Paul how much he'd have to suffer for the name of Jesus. And as he's been in prison time and time again, he's actually come to realize his need of others. That this body of Christ is significant. Over time, the man who was anything but humble, gentle, patient, didn't bear with others at all in love, has been molded by the Holy Spirit into a being who's able to commend this way of life to others too. And so the question today is, how about you? Are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to mold you into this way of life? He commands it, Paul does. Be completely humble. It's really hard, Paul. (laughs) It's really hard, Jesus. Holy Spirit, will you help me? Will you shape me? Will you mold me? Last weekend, I had the huge privilege of teaching on a weekend for 18 to 30-year-olds. It was on behalf of an organization called CPAS, and I had the privilege of doing some Bible teaching with them, and it was a fun weekend, and they had come from all over the country, from very different walks of life, to explore what God's call on their life was. That might be to be his servant as an engineer, or it might be to be a hairdresser, or to be Christ as a teacher, or to be in the church. But they'd come from all different areas, and they didn't know each other at all. The only thing that they had in common was Jesus. And at the start of a weekend like that, you take a bit of a deep breath because you don't know how it's going to go. Are they going to live out this passage we've just read, or are they not? And you watch as someone there to see what's going to happen. And there was a beautiful moment right on the first night when you could have made a sort of American movie out of it. Basically, the beautiful girl. There was a girl there who'd been um, a Disney princess model. Um, And she she looked stunning. She looked beautiful. The things the world aspired to got alongside a girl with some needs and issues and was ministering to her in such a lovely way. And these kids, young adults from all walks of life came together and united around Jesus. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And as they stood there on the last day and shared some of the things that God had been speaking to them about at the weekend, time and again, they said things like, and isn't it amazing that we've become such great friends in only a few hours? And isn't it amazing that we didn't know each other at all? And now, like, I feel really close. We've been able to be vulnerable and share because we are united in Jesus. We've chosen to take off our pride to be humble. We've chosen to bear with one another in love. In any group of people, there's always going to be people you find annoying. We've chosen to bear with one another in love. It was beautiful. And the church, when we seek to live this out, has such power to show the world what the kingdom of God's really like. It's so inspiring. 
I've been um, preparing a little bit for a messy Christmas and I, I wrote an email out and, you know, it's quite a lot of people to communicate to. And I realized this email probably had 40 names on it. And I was like, wow, that's so amazing that all these people are coming together to put on an event that we hope will serve the children and young families in this area. We hope it's going to help them understand the good news of Christmas. How exciting is that, that this church, I can call on Valerie and say, Valerie, I need a little bit of extra help with the painting activity. Can you come? And Valerie say, yeah, I'm free. I can come and help with that. I can get behind that. Isn't that beautiful? Such a beautiful thing when the church of God works together. Of course, we also work together supporting one another in our mission out there in the world. It's not that all our activity is inward. Recently, we had the privilege of going back to India, where I lived for a year. And again, I was struck by how easy it is to look at a church in a different context and see all the good things they have going on, but also to have the perspective of seeing some of the things that they might still need to work on. And I I wonder what your feeling is if you had a bird's eye view of the church In London, what are some of the good things we've got going on? Where might we need to put in some work? Sometimes it's hard and we need the outside perspective to help us see that. But I think at the heart of this passage comes down to the question of, am I going to do this Christian life my way or are we as a church going to choose to do it his way together and that will be more costly in the short term because it means bearing with one another in love it means uniting together for things it means being patient and completely humble And that stuff's hard. But in the long term, it brings such treasure, such beauty, that the world goes, wow. During my year in India, I ran a kids club with another Indian lady. And at the end of the year, we were both going home. And we didn't know what was going to happen with this club. I decided to pay the rent on the building that we used for the club for two further years in faith that somehow this little club for children would carry on. Amazingly, a lady from Hong Kong felt called to come and work in the city. But her passion was more in textiles and fabrics. She was a single lady. She didn't have children of her own. She wasn't that that fussed about serving the children. But for the sake of unity, continuity, and blessing what God was doing, she faithfully took on this club from us. As I went back and walked the streets where we had this club, the lady I was with started to tell me stories of this lady from Hong Kong. She had terrible Hindi. Her accent was absolutely awful. 
She was clumsy and in many ways a bit of a disaster. But she loved Jesus and chose to serve something for the sake of him. She had had the opportunity to lead children I knew to faith in Jesus. She had also, through her diligence and patience, enabled an entire community to become literate. We all know, don't we, that if you teach the mothers, they then teach their children, that the impact of that for families in terms of their medical health, in terms of their access to jobs, is huge. And as I walked past back the houses where some of these families lived, I saw that they were no longer just poles and sheets, but this whole community had been able to access better jobs, better income, and therefore they had begun to build their own houses out of bricks and mortar. It was so precious to see as she laid down her own passion, laid down her own thinking of what she should do, and served another vision. The fruit that came out of that was unbelievably powerful. And she was completely humble and gentle and served Jesus. Are we going to say, I do it my way? Or shall we say, we did it his way, together?